Bayheim has proved Owen right. He says Judah Mintz will start at point guard with Joe Girard at shooting guard. Most likely, that is. Uh, and in training camp, another safety goes down as one comes back from the injured list. We'll talk about all that and more. It's Locked On Syracuse. It's right now. Our Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Matt Bonaparte, Owen Valentine with you on this wonderful Wednesday morning. Thanks for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Today we're talking football training camp. We're talking a little bit more on the basketball starting lineup. And then we'll talk about the football schedule. Why is it so tough? Um, Let's start with some training camp. Uh, Syracuse is in the midst of training camp right now as long as every or as well as every other program in the country there have been some injuries like which happened during scrimmages and training camp it's very normal uh jihad carter was an injury that was a little bit scary um an ambulance was involved dino had to say all of his extremities were moving or whatever i don't know it was weird um but he's back he's he played in pads yesterday so no need to worry about jihad uh isaiah jones is still injured the wide receiver um but I think Dino said there's a good shot at him coming back week one. Chris Bleich is out sick, but he'll be fine. And then the biggest news is that Isaiah Simmons, or Isaiah Simmons, I'm sorry, Jason Simmons, um, he suffered an injury. And Dino said, quote, we have to look. So we don't know, but uh, it looks like they might be without Jason Simmons now. So you get one safety back and you lose another, which is not what you want to see. Um, but that is kind of interesting because that means you're either going to have the transfer Elijah Clark playing free safety uh, or maybe Rob Hanna out there now. So I don't know necessarily what they're going to be doing with that spot, but uh, it, it is the chance for a new face, which is always kind of exciting, but at the same time a little bit frightening. Um I can't say I know Elijah Clark's game all that well as I haven't watched him um, because he was with Rutgers last year, I believe. Yes, his freshman at Rutgers last year, played in seven games, made six tackles, got a pick, uh, and had three tackles against Northwestern. Good for him. Um, Got a pick against Michigan State, too. That's cool. Uh, So Elijah Clark, by the way, Elijah Clark, this is total money, dude. Elijah Clark, in his picture on Qs.com, I almost said Q's countdown. Q's.com is, um, he has like a, a chain that just has a dollar bill sign on it. Like he just <laughs> looks like such a king. I love him already. Um, Elijah Clark, goat. I kind of want to see him out there. Uh, but we already know Rob Hanna's pretty good too. So I'm not yeah. too worried about, uh, I mean, I would like to have Jason Simmons out there. I just have a lot of faith in him. But yeah. um, Rob Hanna's good. We've seen Rob Hanna for a couple of years now. He was kind of the unsung hero in, in a little bit uh, in that 2020 season where all those DBs kind of came out to play. Like Rob Hanna was in that mix. He had 51 tackles his freshman year, had a pick, fumble recovery the whole bit. Took a bit of a step back last year and maybe a little bit of a lesser role. 
But uh, this year, maybe he's going to get a shot again. Yeah, you know, it's it's a mix-up. And we're, we did this whole thing where, you know, we, we talked about Jihad Carter and the impact of Jihad Carter being down, and he was back in street clothes the next day. This is one where, you know, per Dino, it seems like it could be a little bit more long-term. And, you know, you're actually going to have to see the repercussions of of this injury with Jason Simmons. But uh, I, I don't know where I where I sort of see and who coming in at this point. Uh, I, I like the Elijah Clark idea. Uh, Rob Hanna definitely, as you said, can come in and contribute. Uh, is this Amon Greenwood time, buddy? Is this where you're going to get excited and, and see Not that? Not saying anything about Amon Greenwood. <laughs> is this going to be the time for you? Uh, I don't exactly know sort of where this shakeup leaves things, especially because, you know, we're, we're without a depth chart at this point too. And so we're, we're sort of speculating soon, on who is going to bounce here and there uh, when, you know, when injury happens, right. Your odds are not going to play a football season where all 22 starters go without a scrape or a bump the entire year. So you're going to have guys that are going to pop in and out. Uh, for a little bit at a time. We don't really know that situation at this point. Um, my hunch would say that Elijah Clark would probably be the guy. So you'd have Elijah and Jihad Carter, you know, as your safeties at this point. But eh, it could mix up. I don't know. Uh, for your sake and for your sanity, uh, maybe not among Greenwood, but this is also maybe his chance to prove you if this is a, if this is a starting think- role for him now. I doubt it. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't see that happen. But uh, let's talk about the other corner that they talked about, Jeremiah Wilson, the true freshman coming in this season. Um, they Babers was saying somebody asked like, who is impressed? Has anybody done anything to um climb up the rungs in terms of the depth chart preseason? And Babers said Jeremiah. Um, he's gotten a, a few picks. He's been playing pretty darn well here. Uh, in preseason, he's a, he's a three-star out of Kissimmee, Florida, which is sounds like a hilarious town name. Um, I hope Jeremiah comes in and makes an immediate impact, but I will say I wish he, I wish there was a guy doing what he's doing, not in the defensive back group, because that's not where they need help. I wish I heard of that about. Oh, Steve Linton is an um, animal out there. That's what I really was hoping to hear. Because uh, that defensive line is still in peril, um, but you know it's good to hear about Jeremiah Wilson. I, another, I mean, Syracuse continues to be DBU. Hopefully, with this guy, I don't know how good he's going to be. Obviously, it's just uh, scrimmages. But if Baber says he's playing well so far, it probably means we're going to get a chance to see him, which uh, which is pretty exciting. So, Jeremiah Wilson, we hope to see you week one making some some plays. Yeah, I, I like this. Uh, I like what, you know, I'm seeing from him, hearing to see, you know, Dino talk about, you know, what he's done. And I think he said he's had a couple interceptions in, whether it's scrimmages or just running through drills. So it's, it's good to see him sort of, you know, jump as a nice little thing to highlight on the page at this point when you're looking at preseason notes and camp notes. Uh, 5'11", I think. So he's got a little bit of... You know, he's not the biggest dude ever, but I think that's a decent size for him. Uh, I'm excited to see sort of what he can learn in, in this time right now. It's You said it. It does kind of suck that, right, you've got the guy that emerges is in, you know, probably Syracuse's best position group. Uh, I don't think there's a ton of, you know, argument to be made there. Uh, I, I almost say, you know, and 
maybe he's not the greatest in terms of, I think he was arrested, but Ryan Lochte versus Michael Phelps, right? I think the quote that he might've used was Ryan Lochte would be Michael Phelps if Michael Phelps wasn't Michael Phelps. Uh, and that's kind of where I see a guy like Jeremiah Wilson, the way they're talking about him right now. Like he would have been the, you know, the deuce chestnut last year coming in, being that sort of day one starter that comes in and has a really, really good freshman year. Uh, but unfortunately for Jeremiah, he is, you know, sitting behind Syracuse's two better players, two guys with, you know, more than you would think NFL aspirations, realistically NFL guys. Uh, and so he comes in, hopefully he learns a lot uh, while Garrett Williams is still here uh, under Deuce. And then, you know, even if the snaps are sparing this year for him, uh, he can fill into a role next year uh, where there's a little more space. Yeah, totally. Um, and another name that we should be watching out for is the Louisville transfer. We didn't play a game with Louisville after he enrolled in Louisville to Louisville last year and then transferred before the season started, which means he must have transferred in the first week of school or something. Uh, Braylon Oliver, who could be showing up in Syracuse's uh, safety core, uh, maybe a rover, something like that. He was a three-star again. Uh, number 43 safety uh, for 24-7. So 24-7 doesn't have him jumping off the page, but Syracuse likes him, so there's some merit there. Uh, but, you know, like you said, and uh, like we've said just now, this, the defensive back group is going to be fine, but it is just going to be a matter of who's going to be in it. Um, okay, well, we will talk about Jim Beheim's comments on the starting lineup right after I read this PSA. Uh, okay, this is from the National Health and Traffic Safety Association. Picture this. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many, and as the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Okay, it's time. We're back. Matt Bonaparte, Owen Valentine here on Locked On Syracuse on your Wednesday episode. Um, Adam Zagoria recently did an interview with Jim Beheim. And it, it in it, it was basically a piece on Benny Williams, actually. Uh, so a lot of the questions were about Benny Williams in it. But in it, Beheim actually made a comment about Judah Mintz, which proves Owen's um, lineup correct. Uh, I mean, it's not 100%. We're, the word that we got on it in the headline is, quote, probably. But I, I would take it as a win if I were you, Owen. The quote is, from Jim Beheim is quote, he's really good. He'll be a pro. He probably he'll probably start at the one and move Joe over to the two. We'll see how that goes. End quote. And that's on Judah Mintz. So 
I said Simir Torrance because I was banking on Jim wanting to stick to his guns, but I'm glad he's not because I will say, well, I said that it was about what I thought was going to happen, not what I wanted to happen. So I'm glad that Judah Mintz is getting that chance because he is the better player. The other thing that's exciting about that quote is that he said he's a pro. Um, Already, if Beheim, who is a Hall of Famer, he's coached for 400 years, he's already saying you're a pro. That's pretty darn cool. Um, For Syracuse fans, they should get pretty darn hyped, too, because you've got a pro. This guy could be a one and done. We all said that, but I feel like, I don't know about you, I was saying it in the context of Benny Williams having happened. So I wasn't like really, I wasn't that hyped up about Judah Mintz. Like I was, but I was taking it with a grain of salt because I know what can happen. And when you have a guy who's 32 ranked by ESPN, uh, ranked 32nd by the ESPN 100, and you think he's going to be fantastic. He's a five star, which is the um, thing they love to throw at you. And then he comes in and stinks. So I'm amped that Beheim, like Beheim saying it validates it in my opinion. I, I'm excited for this. I think this is a good a good spot to, you know, be. And we were talking about it yesterday. You know the the natural progression that this moves by allowing him to to start at the one, pushing Joe over into the two, and how many benefits there will be for for this offense in that regard. I think it's it's going to be a really exciting sort of start for him, and to see the comments that you know that Jim's making and that confidence early on sort of brings me to. And this is almost doing a disservice. I just I think of starting point guards from day one. I go to Brandon Trish. Obviously, uh, it seems like Judah's got a little bit more potential in terms of you know pro and being able to do that per these comments. But that's just I I always go to Trish when I hear day one starting point guard, uh, which you know it's not terrible company to be in, right? Trish did by not have a bad career by any means, but. I think All-time it could be selling player. him a little bit short, and that's just a nod to you know Judah Mintz's ceiling right now and where he could go. Uh, in that interview, uh, while talking to Benny, I think um, Benny said you know very complimentary as you would assume from a teammate at this point, uh, just saying he can score at all three levels, shoots the three really well, uh, and he plays defense. And then Benny says he's just a dog. He's got that dog mentality. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what you want as your point guard. And I'm really excited to see how that sort of flows in. And I also think uh, that being able to have Symir coming in off the bench and sort of being almost like, I feel like a pacemaker is the wrong word, but just sort of being that relaxed guy that comes in and sort of might slow the game down a little bit. Not that just he can't like run, how we but did just, last year, but like, yeah, this time it's not going to be like, okay, Symir, you're the only ball handler on the floor. Figure it out. Like it doesn't have to be like that. Um, yeah, so that's I, actually really exciting. Um, and back to the dog comment, I was just going to say, as Fabian Lovett as, of Florida State says, if you a dog, you a dog, and he's a dog. That's what he said at the ACC kickoff, my favorite quote wow. of the whole weekend. Um, the week. um, so the other thing I was going to say in the J.P. Estrella told Mr. Klein and I uh, is that Quadir Copeland is the greatest passer he's ever seen. That's the that's what he said verbatim. Like that was a quote. That's nuts to me. Like wow. the greatest you've. He was like he he kept like almost not saying. It. Like yeah, you know what? Yeah, he is. He's the greatest passer I've ever seen. It was like what, dude? Wow. Huh? So like I'm obviously not 
I don't expect him to be coming out there and be like Jason Williams or anything, but like, I mean, where does that guy fit in? Like, he's now the third point guard on the depth chart if you take Joe out of that conversation, which you should. But yeah. does he play? Like, does he take Simeer's job? Because, like, I think a lot of people coming into this season, myself included, thought him, Quarter Copeland, and Peter Carey, because he's looks like a raw prospect who needs time might take a red shirt year because it doesn't look like there's a lot of playing time i mean at the center spot it's always different you can always use a center uh so maybe that doesn't happen but munir hema coming in kind of made it seem like it would uh and john bullock's not an option down there so if it's just munir and jace jesse edwards I don't know if I trust that. I'd probably want to have one more guy because you don't have a Jimmy Bayheim you can throw down there anymore. I guess you could maybe throw Malik Brown down there because he's a big dude, but a six eight center, I don't know. Um, so I'm curious to see if Quadir and Peter end up redshirting. If Quadir ends up playing Simir Torrance out of a job and he takes the number two spot, because if he can score and pass, what like? Kudir Copeland's the guy then. Like, what is the point? It, honestly, here's my question to you. Because Simon Torrance, there are some days where you look at him and, like, obviously it's not true, but you, you look at Simon Torrance and you're like, I think I could beat that guy in a three-point contest. Like, the guy cannot score at all. So does Kudir Copeland play him out of a job if he can score even a little bit? Uh, you know, there's a chance there's a chance this is not something I've put a ton of thought into, but I think it's something that definitely will warrant conversation and thoughts. I, I think there's definitely a chance. Cause I look at Simir and I, you know, I see a guy that, you know, can distribute at moments. Uh, I, I like him defensively, but as we learned last year, he, he is not a scoring guy by any means. Uh, and I don't know sort of where his distribution and defense, how much that can counteract the inability to score, right? If you're right? distributing outstandingly, yeah. uh, then, you know, fine. Who cares if you're not putting, you know, the ball in the hoop, if you're dishing out eight to 10 assists every game. Codier's got, you know, per JP, who saw what, two practices? The immediate flash, the immediate little passing ability. He, he's distributing the ball really well. Per per JP was there, and I, I'm going to trust his basketball knowledge. Uh, so if Kadir can score in any capacity, I don't really see how you can write him off in this conversation. Uh, I think he will be right in that conversation. Obviously, we're you know we're making predictions and thoughts here on you know we're grasping at straws, but. As the season progresses, that is 100% something, you know, worth continuing to keep an eye on and, and looking into conversations and asking questions about it because that, you know, that second point guard spot uh, can definitely be up for grabs uh, and it's going to hopefully go to the person that is going to help you the most offensively uh, with, you know, the defensive look being in there. You know, Saimir is a good defensive guy but how much is he going to be able to counteract the the offensive, you know, not struggles, but he's a, of... like Simir is like, he can get a steal and, and turn into a basket sometimes, but I do think people overrate his defense a little bit. His passing yeah. is very good. 
Um, yeah. He's a good passer and he's a really good facilitator. But if Quadir is a great passer and he can score even a little bit, because Simeon is only scoring two points a game. If you could score, like if you could get like seven points out of Quadir Copeland and the same passing ability, I don't think we're going to see Simeon very much. So, yeah. and you know how Bayheim is. If he doesn't think a guy's valuable to the team, he's never putting them on the floor because why would he? Um, so if Saimir kind of proves obsolete with the new toy in town and the new two toys being Mintz and Copeland, then you're not going to see him. Uh, so I think that's a really real conversation about whether or not Saimir is actually going to even fit in. I said just a day ago he's going to start. Now look at this. So Yeah. What a twist. Before we go on this one, I I think for the future, I want Quidier to win this battle. So do I, because uh, I think Quidier's – I'm really high on that guy. A lot of people are yeah. saying that he's way better than his ranking, and I totally believe that. A lot of people said he yeah. should have been a four-star. So I hope Quidier comes in and gets a shot. I, I like where Saimir's sort of floor is right now and that we know what we can get out of him and we know what you'll see from him. Uh, but for the sake of Kudir's ceiling, this this is a battle that I would love for him to win uh, because I think he's got that potential to, in a year or two, uh, be that guy that can come in and score and, and be in and score and be you know a distributor and pass and facilitate an offense really, really well. So this is a battle that I hope you know for the long term of Syracuse basketball, when you're considering the fact that Bayheim is calling Judah a pro already, uh, that for the point guard situation, you know, whether it's a backup role or a starting role, whatever it might be, uh, I think Quadir winning this one is, uh, you know, going to be very vital for Syracuse moving forward. Totally. Uh, audio listeners, you're getting an ad right now. Video people, you're with us. Um, okay. We're moving on to football or we go right back to football. So boy, full circle right back to football. Um, we're talking strength of schedule now uh, because Syracuse's schedule is not easy. You're nope. getting five preseason ranked teams uh, and four of them back to back to back to back. So back to back to back. Yeah. Back to back to back to back. Um, this is a tough schedule for a team that is coming off of a, underwhelming year. Brennack said it's an eight-win roster with a five-win schedule. I don't know how much I... I think in the Purdue game will and like the Virginia game, we'll find out how good this team is. Uh, yeah. And if you don't have the roster in front of you, Purdue and Virginia are, are week three and four, um, both at home. Because they don't have a road... I think the other crazy part about the schedule is that they don't have a test on the road until Clemson. Like, it's just it's just like a yeah. home game. The opener against Louisville. You got a cupcake on the road against UConn. You come back to the Dome for four straight, and then you go to Clemson. Like, it's so crazy. Yeah. Um, and then the back end of the schedule, it's really lopsided in terms of home and away. Almost every game at the beginning is home, and then almost every game – at the end is away it, from Clemson to Boston college, which are uh, the last six weeks of the season. Only two games are home games. So you play two of the home four away uh, all against really tough ACC opponents. 
Uh, well, actually, yeah. one five against tough ACC opponents, one against Notre Dame, which doesn't get any easier. So at least that one's at the JMA Dome. Um, it's a very interesting schedule, one that I don't think is great for Syracuse. I mean, it, it is an incredibly difficult schedule. That NC State to Notre Dame, or even to Pittsburgh, uh, is really tough. NC State, a fantastic team with, an, uh, with a great returning quarterback. Uh, Clemson coming in with something to prove, and then Notre Dame's Notre Dame, and then you have at Pitt, which cannot be an easy game. Uh, I mean, if Sam Hartman doesn't play, and I really hope he does for his own health, um, I don't know what Wake Forest is without him. Uh, if Keaton yeah. Slovis at Pitt isn't all that, I don't really know what they are. Uh, so those are some of the um, variables that are in this discussion, but it's, it's a tough road for Syracuse. You have yeah. a really tough game pretty much everywhere aside from Wagner and UConn. I look at this and think, you know, I obviously I don't have the entire college football landscape schedule memorized, nor have I looked at every single college football team schedule. But I would put this four week stretch for Syracuse, at least in terms of preseason thoughts on these teams. It could shift one hundred percent. It could shift. But right now I, I would put this four week stretch up against pretty much anyone. You go. You have your bye week, right? Talk about the importance of a bye week right now uh, in week two of October. And then you go, you bring number 13 NC State into the Dome. You go to number four Clemson. You bring number five Notre Dame into the Dome. And you go to number 17 Pittsburgh. That stretch for a Syracuse team that is still on the up and coming, right? They're by no means back, right? For a team that maybe with an easier schedule as, you know, sort of, I think, alluding to Brent X's point when you hear that eight-win team with a five-win schedule, right? With a stretch like this and a difficulty of this schedule, especially with those games, as you said, being back-to-back-to-back-to-back, you might not see the record improvements that reflect the improvements that this team has actually made. Yeah. Totally. Uh, and that's I think that's an unfortunate reality that Syracuse fans might have to face. I hope they can snag six wins and get a bowl game. But with this schedule, uh, the more I look at it, five and seven seems to be that number again. God, that sucks. I hate that. Um, that's the worst. No one likes five and seven. Doesn't do no. anything for you. It's like, look, we almost did it. Ooh. Um, I mean, yeah, it's tough. And we're going to, Owen and I are going to try to put together some kind of, uh, at some point we will make predictions. We don't know in what way we will do it, but we will do it. Whether it's going to be one episode or a bunch. Uh, if you have an opinion, you want to let us know, uh, maybe tweet at us, email us, please um, comment, let us know what you want to see, but we'll figure it out. Anyway. Uh, that's all we got today for this episode of Lockdown Syracuse. Thank you for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen every day. Now go get more on the ACC by making Lockdown ACC your second listen every day. Host Candace Cooper and the local experts of Lockdown take you across the ACC in 30 minutes. Make Lockdown ACC your second listen. That's Lockdown ACC. Uh, Owen and I back tomorrow with another episode. We will see you then. <laughs>